Oh, the words just aren't flowing this morning. No stranger to many of us, although some of you may not know him that well. I know there is uh, a number of people here who have not been here that long. But I'm going to refer to him as Dr. Bev Christian, because Bev is uh, an accomplished when it, he's accomplished in a number of fields, but he's accomplished in a specific field um, of training, and that is the field of chemistry. And he has a doctorate in that. And he's worked in that field for a good number of years and uh, is currently semi-retired, although he is uh, just recently taken on a, an adjunct professorship at University of Waterloo, so right here close to home. He said he's taught one course already, really enjoyed it, and is looking forward to doing more. Um, but I believe he is also doing some other work part-time as well. Um, he has employ been employed with uh, more than one uh, communications technology company, uh, most recently BlackBerry. Spent a number of years there. Bev has been a part of Hope Fellowship for over 20 years now, I believe. 2001. Okay. Oh, not quite. 17 years. Anyway, it was back when we, it was in our early years, because I remember when I first met Bev, when he came through the door, we were meeting down the road from here in Lutherwood's property, which is down Benjamin Road. Uh, we rented there for the first five years that Hope was in existence. And uh, yeah, a lot of water has passed under the bridge since then. Bev has served on the uh, leadership team here. He served as an elder and been involved in a number of other roles as well. Currently resides uh, just outside of Kitchener-Waterloo and just outside of Breslau in Woolwich Township. So that's where he and his wife Chris uh, currently live. But Bev is going to come and share with us this morning. And if you want to flesh out any more story, you go right ahead, Bev. I'm going to turn it over to you at this time. Okay, thank you for coming. Uh, let's start with a uh, word of prayer first, okay? <clears throat> Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity um, that you have given all of us to gather together to praise you, to learn more about you, to learn more about ourselves. Uh, we pray, Lord, that these uh, words and ideas that I've put together uh, myself may be uh, ultimately um, looked after by you, that it will be of some significant uh, use to all of us here that be uh, from you and not just from Bev Christian. This we ask in Christ's holy name. Amen. Uh, speaking of my wife, Chris, you may know she's not here today, and that's not because she disapproves of what I'm doing. Uh, it's because um, we have a, a drop-dead time to meet somebody, and we must be there, and there's certain things we have to get done first. And uh, we worked like dogs yesterday and didn't get it all done, so she's working at that uh, now to get that done. That's the first thing. Uh, <clears throat> secondly, yes, I'm a doctor of chemistry, um, I, but I have, I've never been to Bible school. I don't have a degree in that. I've never even spent a year in Bible school. Uh, what I'm going to do today and have done in the past are things that really any of you could do uh, with a little bit of study. And uh, next, uh, what I want to do is, uh, could we turn off some of these lights so that the screen would show up a little better? There. Okay. 
and the laser pointer is not working. Great. Um, okay, what happened there? Uh, go back to the. What happened to the slide with the picture of the, the Bible on it? Yeah, there. And what I'm saying is the laser pointer is not working. Hopefully the other part will work. Anyway, you're, you see that? Okay, that's my sermon. We're done. We, we can go home now. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. But really that is one message I would like you to get. I thought that was a pretty good image. And so we would start with that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, the Bible. Let's see whether this thing will actually, it won't go at all. Did you do that or I do that? Oh, I all right, good. <laughs> All right, so this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what the Bible is, uh, what it isn't, uh, what it's for, and some cautionary notes with regards to this uh, uh, book here. And uh, again, before you think I'm some great scholar, <clears throat> a lot of this I have taken right out of this book. If you're in your 60s or 70s, you're probably quite aware of this book. It's called Evidence That Demands a, a Verdict by uh, a fellow by the name of Josh McDowell. Uh, this is an excellent book on apologetics, and what that is, apologetics is a defense of the, of the faith. Uh, the word apology, we have a different meaning for that than when it started, so, you know, we're not apologizing for our faith, um, but we're explaining it, uh, hopefully, uh, when asked, and not trying to shove it down someone's throat. A lot of what I'm going to talk about today is in this book. Uh, next slide. <clears throat> Okay, so one of the things about the Bible is that it is a unique book. Well, what does unique mean? Well, from the Webster's Dictionary, we have it's a one and only, a single, a soul, different from all others, having no like or equal. Obviously, uh, the last one is, I think, the best of the bunch, uh, but certainly all of these apply to uh, this book, the Bible, that we're going to talk about today. Uh, it's been written over a long period of time, which is unusual. Uh, most books are written by an author in some garret of a house, uh, typing away, trying to earn enough money to keep food on the table. Uh, but this has been written over uh, a millennia. Um, we say 14 to 1600 because it depends on which author, biblical uh, uh, scholar you talk to, whether it was 14 or 16. There's some debate about that. Not a really big deal. Uh, but if you think of a generation as being 20, 25 years long, we're talking about a, a book that was written over 60 generations, which is way longer than any of you have ever done looking up genealogies for your family, I, I bet for sure. Certainly written at different times. I've only picked two. Uh, David was writing during times of war, and Solomon was writing during times of peace. And if we go to the next slide, <clears throat> uh, certainly... Uh, written in different moods, from joy to fact-telling to despair. For instance, uh, for joy, we could think of the Song of Solomon. And for despair, we could think of maybe Job. And uh, certainly both of those are covered uh, in the Psalms as well. Uh, but most of the Bible is a fact-telling of one type or another, which I'll, I'll deal with in a little more detail as we go along. It's been uh, getting ahead of me. Uh, written on three continents. Uh, Asia, Europe, and Africa. You say, Africa? What, where, where was it written? what was written in Africa? Now go to the next slide. Okay, so here's a... Uh, can we have another one out here? It's just too bright. Well, that you can't do it? Okay. Yes? Is there an on-off switch on this clicker? Ah,
I've never used it, so. Uh, okay. And to think I worked in higher technology for <laughs> three decades. You designed them, you didn't use them. Yeah. All right. Anyway, no. Um, okay, so here's a, a, a map of uh, the area of the world where the uh, things of the Bible took place. We have Italy, Greece, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, uh, Israel, Jordan, uh, Egypt. Uh, that's the area that the Bible took place in. So we'll go to the next slide, which is a blow-up of that area. And I thought, hmm, Africa. What was written in Africa? Well... Uh, it's commonly believed that the, the Pentateuch, the first uh, five books of the Bible, uh, were... Ah, great, good. Technology does work. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> was uh, written by, uh, by Moses when they were leaving Egypt and going into uh, the Promised Land. And they did that in the Sinai. And if you look, yeah, it's pretty fuzzy, but this area here is the Sinai Desert, Okay. And there's the Red, the Red Sea here, and there's a couple of, of uh, bodies of water. So the, uh, so the Sinai is really a, a, a peninsula. And it is part of Egypt. And the border between um, Africa and Asia is right on the Egyptian-Israeli border. So technically, it was written in Africa. Just a little bit of trivia for you. Um, okay, written in three languages. Um, most of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, uh, some parts in Aramaic, and I've, I've picked out uh, three and, and, and put here. Uh, not to mean too much to you personally, but uh, certainly to the people at the time, it was very important. And the New Testament, of course, was written in uh, Greek, not modern Greek, but the Greek of that uh, time, and it was uh, the international language at the time of Christ. So it's very interesting that Christ did come when he did, when there was this language, uh, Greek, known by many people in many uh, other countries that were around the Mediterranean. And, of course, it was all part of the Roman Empire, uh, which meant that, generally speaking, it was a time of peace which allowed uh, the Word of God to spread out uh, to uh, that part of the known world. <clears throat> and uh, another uh, unique thing of the Bible, we talked about, you know, an author in a garret writing a book. Uh, we have many authors, uh, 40 plus, and here are some of them. Um, now, this, is, this one's controversial, uh, uh, Noah. Uh, certainly, it is believed that uh, during his time, the Bible was passed on uh, verbally, and it was only uh, later on, like during the time of Moses, that it was actually taken and written down. Um, so we could argue a little bit about whether he was one of the authors or not, but let's say he was. He was a farmer. Uh, we have Moses, who was a political leader. And then following him, we have Joshua, a general. We have some kings. We have a herdsman, a prime minister, a fisherman, a doctor, tax collector, a rabbi. There are others. But I just pull these out to show you that the, the authors of the Bible were a cross-section of, of, of civilization. They weren't all people with PhDs. Uh, they were, you know, Joe Public uh, to a certain extent. Certainly I would consider Herzman uh, in, that, uh, in that line. And, uh, but God uh, uh, picked uh, these uh, people, uh, in this case all men, uh, but of course it was a different time. It's not today uh, when these people were picked uh, to help put together the Bible as we know it today. And <clears throat> written in different situations and places. Uh, Moses in the wilderness, we've just talked about that. Uh, Jeremiah and Paul uh, wrote uh, their 
uh, sections in uh, various prisons. Um, and Daniel, uh, when he was uh, in Babylon, uh, did on a hillside in, uh, and also in the palace. Uh, Luke, while traveling. Uh, John, while he was exiled near the end of his life on the Isle of Patmos. And others during a military campaign. So all sorts of different situations of when uh, the Bible, uh, they sat down and, and wrote the, the Bible. And what does it uh, contain? What literary types? A lot of history, of course. Uh, law of different types. Uh, men, most of this, of course, for the Jewish people. Uh, certainly, though, there are things that we can learn from this, not only from the, about the history of the Jewish people, but maybe things that we can uh, use today. There's religious poetry. And this thing called didactic treatises. What is that? Uh, I had to look it up. I didn't know. Uh, this is a, a teaching documents. So there's your word of the day if you're doing that sort of thing. Uh, lyric poetry, uh, parables and allegory, of course, which is uh, something uh, commonly that Christ used uh, during uh, his teaching. Uh, biography, personal correspondence, personal memoirs, diaries. Some of this is sort of repeat. I don't know the difference between a personal memoir and a diary. It's about the same thing. Uh, prophecy and uh, literature to do with uh, end times. These are all sorts of different types of things that you will find uh, in the Bible. So it's not like a murder mystery. It, it, has a, you know, it is a murder mystery and that's it. Uh, uh, the Bible has, uh, covers a wide range of different uh, literary types uh, for our, our benefit. Okay, uh, this is very important, uh, and you may or may not know this with regards to its survival. Here you can see this uh, cave area. This is one of the areas where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, in Israel, uh, some of the oldest uh, pieces of the Bible. And <clears throat> with regards to the Old Testament, uh, the, the Jews had, had people that you know, copied this. They didn't have printing presses. They had to you know, actually write each symbol down. And after a uh, scribe would actually copy it, uh, somebody else would come along and they would count. They would count, parag oh, well, not paragraphs, they would count, uh, well, yes, the, I do have paragraphs, paragraphs, words, and even the middle letter of the book. And if some poor guy got to the end and, and did the count and the middle letter wasn't the one that it wanted to be, into the trash and start again. So they were very serious because, of course, they and ourselves believe that this is the Word of God, and what we're trying to do is uh, uh, not uh, transform into something that it isn't. Uh, we can't say that same thing for a Plato or Aristotle. Shoot, we can't even say that for uh, Shakespearean plays that are less than 500 years old. There are multiple versions of Shakespeare's plays that vary quite a bit, one from the other. And yet we have a, a, a book, our Bible, uh, which has been written over millennia ago, uh, for the Old Testament at least. And, uh, <clears throat> and we have 13,000 manuscripts of the uh, New Testament that can be used for, for comparison. <clears throat> And not only do we have those manuscripts, but we have the writings of the early church fathers. And if you take those writings almost in, in totality, but not uh, totally, you can take from their writings their quotes of the Bible, put it together, and make a Bible, right? So there's uh, lots of solid evidence for the book that we have. It just didn't come out of the air. And uh, it is uh, 
quite consistent. Now, does that mean that it's totally consistent? Uh, no, there are a few things that, you know, in your Bible that say this verse was not in manuscript X, right? Uh, there are a few uh, places there. But certainly, uh, for uh, an ancient book, uh, there is no other that is as unique as, as the Bible with regards to its uh, survival. Uh, and here's an interesting one about its survival. Uh, Voltaire, a great man who, who said that, you know, he would fight that you would be able to believe what you believe, but, you know, even if I don't believe it, which is good, but, of course, he wasn't really any great friend of Christianity. He wrote some pretty disparaging things. Um, but it's, if you read here, you'll see that shortly after his death, the Geneva Bible Society was using his house and his press for printing Bibles, right? Uh, so what does that say about uh, longevity? Uh, and then um, during the late 1800s into both 1940s, even the 50s, there's something called higher criticism, uh, a group of... Um, uh, agnostics, uh, fairly liberal Christians that were saying, well, you know, using our mind, we can go into the Bible and, you know, say that this is true and this is not. And they said a lot of things, like they said, well, Moses couldn't have been uh, the, the author, you know. I mean, he couldn't even write. Well, we know from archaeology that, uh, that Hammurabi, um, a leader in that part of the world 300 years before Moses, had a, a written language, right? So that was dispelled. We had others that said, well, there, no, there were, there's nobody called Hittites. Hittites mentioned the Bible. Guess what? There is a fairly ancient, powerful empire of the Hittite nations that, again, the archaeologists have uh, found to be true. And uh, they said, oh, well, the you know, walls of Jericho, they wouldn't have fallen out. Well, lo and behold, during my lifetime, they found the remains of uh, the, uh, the town or city of Jericho, and the walls are shown to have been fallen out. So, uh, it, it, you know, it has stood up to persecution and criticism and, and survived them all. I do not know of a single archaeological uh, expedition that has ever uh, found anything that contradicts um, uh, biblical, um, biblical fact, which is quite interesting. So, it's, uh, no other ancient writings is clear in its history. Uh, also, remember, it's written by a lot of different authors over a long period of time, and there are a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament, and they have been uh, the ones that spoke of Christ, who has come and gone with regards to being a man on earth, all those have been fulfilled. No other book can say that. No other book can say that. And uh, so, uh, it's the basis for our set of beliefs, and it's very frank about the failings of humans. Not only talking about us and our failings, but talk about the failings of uh, men and women of faith. And I want to just briefly go into that. Okay, so we have, uh, hmm, that little green color didn't show up very well, but we have Adam and Eve, liars. Noah, a drunk. And I'm being kind when I say just drunk because there was more. Uh, Abraham, a liar, Sarah, sorry Sarah, uh, jealous and cruel, Rebecca and Jacob, schemers and liars, Joseph, boastful, Judah sold his brother into slavery, Moses was a murderer, uh, Aaron, idolaters, uh, Samson uh, acted out his lusts, Rahab was a prostitute, uh, Eli and Samuel uh, were crappy fathers, and I put a question mark, because... Um, 
There's some debate about that. Uh, uh, David, adulterer and murderer. Peter, liar. Paul, perpetrator of genocide. Wow, that's, that last one is uh, pretty strong. But, you know, he set out to kill Christians as, as Saul. So, a couple things here. One, it shows that a lot of the uh, heroes and heroines of the Bible that we look up to were less than perfect people. Right? And yet we know, especially from uh, Hebrews, that uh, God calls a lot of these people heroes of the faith. Secondly, you think you're bad? Look at this list. <laughs> you know? So some Christians beat themselves down and say, you know, I'm not worthy, I should eat worms, etc., etc. But if you look at the Bible and look at these people, who asked for forgiveness, and were given it, obviously, if they were called heroes of the faith uh, in, the, uh, in the New Testament, uh, you should probably think more of yourself than you do. Now, not to be boastful, not to get a swelled head, um, but God understands that we are not perfect people, right? And so you can compare yourself against this and maybe feel better about yourself than you uh, have been in the past. Just a couple of interesting facts, really sort of out of the flow of what I'm talking about. So the Bible wasn't divided into chapters as we have it until the, the 13th century, and it wasn't until the 16th century that it was divided into verses. So that's fairly new. It is not part of the inspired Word of God as originally uh, given uh, to, to man. Um, <clears throat> so the Old Testament was one of the first, if not the first book to be translated into different languages. Uh, the first book uh, to be published with a uh, movable type by Gutenberg, of course. Uh, there are still a uh, few copies of that exist in uh, various libraries. And the Bible has uh, seen five billion in sales. So we're not talking about books just given away. We're talking about Bibles that have been sold, right? That is quite a number. Um, so it's been uh, translated into many languages, um, the thing I want to point out, though, it's been translated into over 600 languages, but there are 6,500 languages in the world. So we're only a tenth of the way there. And I think there's a, Bible, some, uh, a verse somewhere in the Bible that talks about uh, the end not coming until everyone has had a chance to, to hear. So I think we've got a ways to go uh, before we get there. Even if we subtract the 2,000 languages, which unfortunately are going to probably disappear uh, within the next century because there are so few speakers that it's going to die out. Which is a shame because I think all languages have something to give us. They have words in the language that we don't have. For instance, the Inuit have, I don't know how many, uh, dozens if not hundreds of different words for snow. Like us, you know, white people, we've got one word, snow, right? Uh, whereas the Inuit have many, many words to talk about different types of snow. That's an example of the, of the richness that different languages uh, bring to uh, the people of the world. Uh, but uh, even that, with that gone, they're talking about 4,500 languages, so we've got a long ways to go with regards to the translation of the word into people's uh, native tongues. Uh, but even with the fact that a lot of these languages don't have the Bible in their, uh, in their tongue, uh, Time Magazine, which certainly is not a you know, a Christian-based uh, magazine, but fairly inf influential, has said, the Bible has done more to shape literature, history, entertainment, and culture than any book ever written. 
So again, another thing that shows the uniqueness of this book, the Bible, uh, that uh, we, we are talking about. That said, and I have memorized this one, so I'm going to have to read this one. Uh, but this should you know, make us uh, sit and, and think. It, the Bible, has inspired some of the greatest moments in human thought, literature, and art which is sort of repeating what time said, it has equally fueled some of the worst excesses of human savagery, self-interest, and narrow-mindedness. It has inspired men and women to acts of great service and courage to fight for liberation and human development, and has provided the ideological fuel for societies which have enslaved their fellow human beings and reduced them to abject poverty. It has perhaps, above all, provided a source of religious and moral norms which have enabled communities to hold together, to care for and to protect one another, and precisely the strong sense of belonging has in turn fueled ethnic, racial, and international tension and conflict. So, just like many things, uh, this book is not good or evil, it's what you do with it that is good or evil. Uh, Verses of the Bible have been used to um, support slavery. And yet, it was Christians uh, that were at the forefront of getting rid of slavery um, during the early 1800s and on into the end of that century. So, you know, uh, this is pretty heavy stuff. And something we really need to think about when we're reading our Bible and, and are we taking things out of context? And uh, what we're reading, are we trying to uh, apply this in a, uh, a spirit of love? Or are we being uh, judgmental? Are we being cruel? Are we doing some of these other things here that have been listed? Uh, <clears throat> we, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Okay, so with regards to this book, uh, there are different uh, views. I've, I've uh, put down four of them here that we'll talk about very briefly. So uh, I, I think uh, all of these talk about the Bible being inspired, which means God breathed. Uh, and this first one, the belief that God, through the Holy Spirit, intervened and influenced the words, messages, and collation of the Bible. So influenced the writers of the Bible. Uh, another one, the Bible is also infallible and incapable of error in matters of faith and practice, but not necessarily in historic or scientific matters. The view of the Bible represents the inerrant, and there's your, uh, your homework to find out that word, uh, word of God, without error in any aspect, written by God and written down in its perfect form by humans. And this one, doctrine of biblical literalism, where the Bible is not only inerrant, but the meaning of the text is clear to the average reader. And there, there, there are, are others. Uh, the first one... Um, just by itself, could be a little insipid. This one here at the bottom uh, could get you in some real trouble. Uh, so so uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you what to believe, okay? Uh, I don't think Mike is either. I would say that Mike and I are on the same page on this. We're probably somewhere in a mishmash of the top three, <laughs> right? Not any one thing, but parts of, of all of those uh, we would accept as our opinion, our opinion, right? It's not like we're saying you must believe this. This is one of the beauties of this church in that we, uh, I believe that there's enough of spirit of love that we can often agree to disagree. 
about various things, right? We are uh, not uh, a particularly dogmatic church. Certainly in fundamentals, you know, that Jesus is God, that he died for our sins, that he rose again, and things like that. I'm not going to give you the whole list. Uh, But in other things, uh, we can agree to to disagree. So what, what the Bible isn't. Okay, the Bible's not God. It is a, it is a book. It's made out of paper. Uh, it's not to be worshipped. Um, I know some Catholics, certainly not all, but some Catholics say that Protestants you know, worship the Bible. Um, and maybe there's some are. Certainly in this church we do not. We worship God. Uh, we do believe that the Bible gives us some insight into the character of God and certainly into our character and our faults and, 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 uh, and how we can approach uh, uh, God uh, through his help. Uh, it is not a book of rules, right? Well, we, we are uh, free, we are under faith, uh, uh, so we are saved people now. And it's not a cookbook. It cannot tell you, you know, minute by minute how to live your life. Or you can't be uh, driving along and pull over the side of the road and open up the Bible at random and pick a verse and say that's to, what to do because you could be doing some really weird things if you did that. Uh, I don't suggest that. And, it, uh, and it's not a scientific textbook either, right? It is a book of, of faith. <clears throat> so what's it for? Uh, and this is a verse that uh, I think many of us have uh, memorized uh, as uh, youth uh, in, our, in our Sunday schools at one time or another. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And certainly, this is not a complete list. Uh, I would be here till tomorrow if I t- told you all the things that the Bible could do for you. And certainly in the back of uh, this book here, uh, there are uh, many uh, quotes by people, including a German Messerschmitt uh, fighter pilot, uh, talking about what the Bible has done for them, what, they, what it's meant for them. And uh, it can be uh, a, a solace in time of, of need. Uh, we've heard this morning about uh, a tragic accident where a, a young person died. Now, obviously, you do not want to go up to the greeting family and say, here, read this verse. That's not a good thing to do. But we would hope that uh, these people who are Christians in their time of sorrow would seek out uh, solace uh, in the words of, of the Bible. There are things there that can help uh, you when you're in uh, times of, of need. And other things as well. Uh, Certainly few and far between, but as Mike has said here from the pulpit a few times, there are actually some funny things in there. Uh, I really do believe that God uh, uh, does have have a sense of humor, and if you didn't believe that, just look around. And uh, you'll you'll know that he really does have a sense of humor. Uh, Now, um, this gets a little tricky. So there's a verse, all scripture is given, but if we look here at this uh, version from Young's Little Translation, uh, every writing uh, God breathed and profitable for teaching, for conviction, for setting it right, for instruction that is uh, in righteousness. And, uh, and what Young points out is 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 not in the original text. So every writing God breathed. So that says, hmm, are all the writings God breathed? Well, I think all Christians, whether except any one of those four 
uh, belief systems about the, uh, the word uh, would say that, yes, in the original, but what about what we have? I mean, listen, I had an uncle in a church in Napanee that split the church because he said the, uh, the uh, King James Version was the version. Uh, more or less saying that if it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for everybody. That, that's a joke, people. I mean, <laughs> King James Version in, in you know, 14th century English wasn't available for, for Paul, who spoke Hebrew and Greek uh, and Latin. Um, you know, it, and in fact, it was, the, I think, the fifth English tr- translation. It wasn't the first, right? So uh, we have to be careful in uh, today with the Bible that we have, with, which is in English for most of you here, uh, whether or not, you know, everything, you know, this word here uh, is very, very important, right? So the translations we have, and this is where it gets tricky, this is where it gets tricky. Christianity is uh, it, simple in what we must do to be Christians, right? Faith in Christ, uh, the living word of God. Uh, but in terms of what the Bible says, that's where it can get uh, a little tricky and we can have things that we can disagree with and we can have translations that are, some are better than others. And... Uh, I'm not enough of a scholar to help you with that, unfortunately. Okay, some, some warnings with regards to uh, the Bible. Okay, uh, the serpent. Man, talk about sneaky. Okay, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any uh, tree of the garden, which is not what God said, right? So there's his first thing. He's trying to twist things. And the woman said to the servant, uh, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, which is true, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. God never said you couldn't touch it. So she added to it, why, I don't know, I don't think this is so much uh, of a lie as maybe she was trying to impress upon the serpent that, you know, we really got to leave that alone, right? But the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die, Uh, not right away. Uh, Even God knows that on the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, which is true, and you will become like God in the aspect of knowing good and evil. That's true. Uh, knowing good and evil. But of course, there are consequences, as we know, of knowing good and evil, right? And we are where we are today because of the fact that they did know uh, good and evil. So this is the first instance, uh, instance of corrupting the word. God said something verbally to Adam and Eve, and the uh, serpent twisted it and, uh, and turned them around and they did things that they shouldn't, and we are here today because of that. So there's the first instance. Uh, <clears throat> there are warnings in Deuteronomy, and I'm not going to read all these. You, uh, you can uh, get these online if you want to look at it afterwards. Uh, you shall not add to the word in Deuteronomy, and in Proverbs it says, do not add to his words. And th- this one here in Matthew, it doesn't talk about specifically about you know, the written word, but it says, false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. So all we need to do is think of people like uh, David Koresh uh, in Texas 
And we all know that the idea of drinking Kool-Aid has a different connotation uh, with regards to what happened to uh, that cult that uh, did themselves in with uh, uh, cyanide-laced uh, uh, Kool-Aid uh, down in the jungles of South America. Following men who started off sounding like sincere preachers of the Word of God and led people astray by adding things and taking things away from, uh, from the Word of God. I mean, Koresh said that he was Christ, right? Uh, Matthew, uh, Mark says, thus invalidating the Word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do uh, many uh, such things as that. Where, again, this is adding things usually to, to the Word of God and the way of tradition, and in some cases making that, the tradition, your God, rather than uh, God himself. And uh, this last one, I testify to everyone who hears uh, the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which is written in this book. Now this is for sure uh, a, a, a body of believers that, treat, uh, that preaches uh, grace, that, cre- uh, that teaches that God is not only a God of love, that God is the actual embodiment of love. Nevertheless, we have verses like this, God is also a holy God, and I think as much as we want to preach uh, a word of grace and love, we cannot totally uh, disavow or move away from the fact that God is a holy God, and he does have certain standards. All right? That being said, need to say that. So what I've shown here, none of this proves the Bible's true. The only way that that can be proved to you is if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and, and comes to you uh, like C.S. Lewis and you get dragged perhaps kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God uh, because of the Holy Spirit's work in you. What I have shown you does prove that the Bible is unique in many, many ways, uh, more unique than any other book ever written uh, in the history of the world. And for you, uh, is it enough to consider the claims of, of Jesus Christ, of who he is and what he means to those of us who have accepted him as Savior? Uh, if you uh, have any interest in this, you can... Uh, talk to Rod or me or uh, other members of the, the uh, congregation, or Mike when he comes back. Uh, and uh, we would hope that all of you at uh, one point in your life uh, will not only consider the claims, but accept the claims uh, of, of Christ. And that is one of the main reasons why we are here uh, today as a congregation, is because uh, we, we love um, Jesus, what he did for us, what he will do for us, and, uh, and there I am. I am done. Thank you very much.